launching a new series today called Parables, and we're going to study uh, over the month of July and maybe a little longer uh, a few parables of Jesus, and I, I, I'm really excited about this series. I think it's going to be really challenging for us. Clearly, one-third, check this out, one-third of the recorded sayings of Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels are in parables. That's a lot of what Jesus is talking about. And so it's so important for us, if we're gonna understand Jesus, we gotta understand the parables, okay? We gotta understand parables to know Jesus because he talked about all these things. So today we're gonna study Matthew 25. If you wanna go with me there in your Bible, open your Bible, turn on your Bible, whatever kind of Bible you have. You can also follow me with message notes with the QR code right in your seat back uh, pocket there. You can follow along with those message notes. Matthew 25 is where we're gonna begin Verse 14, let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its power, its authority in our lives. We welcome your Holy Spirit here in this place to teach us and train us. And then we thank you for your grace to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 25, we're gonna study the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. No, it's not a story about somebody who went on American Idol. It is, it, this talents have a very special meaning and a very special purpose and we need to study it. Verse 14, Matthew 25 says, for it will be like a man going on a journey. What will be like a man going on a journey? See, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven here in these passages. Matthew is recording his storytelling. And this particular parable is between two other parables. One is about the, um, the, the 10 virgins with oil being ready for the master, and then the other is just after this, and it's a story about the sheep and the goats and how God is going to divide uh, the kinds of people at the end of the age, and he's gonna put them into true groups. So, he, so Matthew's recording Jesus' sayings, and Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. This is how the kingdom of heaven looks. And so he says, for it will be like a man, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Everybody say more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more more but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money wah, wah. now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more everybody say more saying master you delivered to me five talents here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. 
enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. What did he call him? <laughs> yes. Wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine, my own, with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Pretty serious story to launch the series with, but so powerful, a powerful story about faithfulness. Let's begin with understanding uh, the context. Because Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he is talking a lot to his own people, the Jewish people. And he's, and he's sh talking about these ideas and he's addressing several concepts in these, especially these three parables. In Matthew 21, he goes to the temple and he turns over all the tables, okay? So he's, he's upset at the religious leaders of his people, the Jews. And he goes to the temple because, because these religious leaders are taking advantage of people when they come to the temple and their sacrificial work. And, they, and so he, they're taking advantage of them and they're charging them money they shouldn't charge. And Jesus is so mad because the way the religious leaders have skewed God's grace and love to his people is just unacceptable. And so Jesus goes in there and he's like, he throws all the, the, the money changers out of the temple. He tips over the tables. He's really mad. He makes a big stir. And then he proceeds to talk about, well, you guys got it wrong. The kingdom of heaven is different than what you're thinking it is. It's something entirely different than what is being presented here. So, so he's talking about these particular parables. He's saying you need to prepare. Everybody say prepare. Prepare. Are you guys awake? 11 o'clock service is uh, kind of known for its sleepiness. You guys Okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> We're here! <laughs> okay. So we have to be, Jesus is teaching about preparing for the coming king. He's talking about being diligent. Everybody say diligent. diligent. Thank you. <laughs> now we're cooking. And he's talking about lessons. He's telling stories where people can realize that you will be evaluated, judged. And so he's, he's talking about these ideas and he's using this story of a wealthy landowner and how he leaves his servants in charge of what he has and, and he, they're in charge of investing his money that he gives them, okay? So we see in this story 
If we're gonna look at the, what Jesus is kind of giving us a picture of, that it's an amazing story of God's gifts, the gifts that God, the landowner, gave to his people, Israel, and how they were or were not faithful with it. That's kind of the crux of this biblical narrative, this parable, and what he's talking about. This biblical context is important to address first before we start talking about how it applies to us. And that's true with any biblical story. You wanna find out what the, the writer was trying to convey to the people of that day, and then you begin to peel back the layers. So the, really, the first question that anybody, what you're waiting for is, you're waiting for this question. So how much money are we talking about? Okay, when he, talents, talents uh, was, a, was a, 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 a type of uh, exchange. And if you have an ESV Bible, you can see in the notes, it says one talent is a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. People, 20 years. That's just one talent. Now, if you, these servants were given a tremendous amount of money that they could never have earned themselves. And so the master gives them this money to, to take care of while he's gone. If we look at the real average median household income in the US in 2022, okay? So, so you take 2022 and you're, you're, you're looking at the average income of a household, it's about 75K, $75,000. So two wage earners, maybe three. And, and so that would be 20 years times 75,000. $1.5 million. That's a lot of money. Okay, that's just one talent. So the guy has two talents, that would make the three million. Two talents would be three million. Five talents would be 7.5 million. Okay, and a total of $12 million in today's language, this, this landowner is giving his servants to take care of while he was away. And it's, it's, I want you to think about a couple things that are meaningful because of this. This was a tremendous amount of money, so there had to be relationship. There had to be a certain amount of trust that was already invested, okay? And the master gives to each of these guys because he trusts them. He's not just gonna give money to people he doesn't know. He's gonna give them to his servants who he knows, who he believes in. And then I think the other really important thing to remember is the master isn't too worried about what he's giving his servants. He's got plenty of money. He's obviously on a journey. He's going somewhere. He has other money he's relying on. So the money is not a deal to the master. Is everybody with me? He's like, he's given 12 million for these guys to mess around with. <laughs> and for the guy with five, he can probably handle five. The guy with two, he can probably handle two. The guy with one, he might not even be able to handle it, but let's try. If the master's willing to take the risk, it means he's got lots of other money and that's no big deal to him. And if we see that in God's economy, God is not too worried. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't, it's funny, we tend to you know, come to church and preachers tend to talk about money and people like, oh, God needs, God does not need our money. We need to give it to him. 
And this story is one of the reasons that is underlying in, a, in, in the context of what is what has been given to you as a servant? What's given, been given to me as a servant? What does the talent represent? It represents our abilities, our time, our resources, relationships, opportunities to serve God while on earth. And listen, all of you have these. You guys all have a certain amount of money. You guys all have a certain amount of time. Oh, wait, you all have the same amount of time. We all have the same amount of time. It's just about how we spend it what we choose to do with it, right? And there's a, you, all, you have a certain number of resources and you all have opportunities. And so it's important to understand that everything in your life, in this story, the, the, the idea behind it is everything in your life has been given to you by someone else, by God himself. He's provided everything that you'll ever need. But it's a little bit of a twist because he's not giving it to you to keep. He's giving it to you as a steward. So stewardship is taking care of something that belongs to someone else. It's not yours. Everybody in the story, they received something that wasn't theirs. He wasn't giving them to it, giving them, giving it to them, and then letting them go do their thing. He was gonna come back and there would be an accounting. There would be an evaluation. How'd you do? He gave it to them and he was expecting it back. Everything that he gave them, he was expecting it back. Everything they invested that they got from investing, he would ask for it back for the, account, for the accounting. They were his servants. Thank you. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever borrowed somebody's car? Are you reckless with it and like jump curbs and stuff? Yes. Absolutely. No, those are rental cars. You do that with rental cars. <laughs> but if you borrow somebody's car and you take it and you're driving around, you're like, you're really careful. You make sure it's, when you give it back to them, you make sure it's clean. But wouldn't it be weird if you borrowed your neighbor's car and then you just came back to home and put it in your garage? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, this is, you, you, you let me have your car. I let you borrow it. What are you talking about? This is what we have to realize about what God has done and who we are as his people, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, you and I have to settle that everything we have in our hands is not ours. It's the hardest lesson to learn. It's very hard to learn in a prosperous society like America, where everything is being marketed to you to prove to you that you don't have enough and you just need more. Remember when I was reading the story and I kept saying, say more. More is a tricky thing, isn't it? We keep wanting more, but we don't understand how to get the more that God wants to give us. We don't understand it. And so this story begins to unpack. It reminds me of the guy who went to a, a rich man's funeral, and he's like, how much did he leave? And some guy said, all of it. <laughs> you can, you're gonna leave it all someday. You can't take any of it with you. It all belongs to him. If that's true, then we live differently. We don't treat everything like it's ours. We're stewards of the things that the master has given us. 
Brilliant author and theologian J.C. Ryle states it poignantly. He says, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all, all our talents. Whence came these things? What hand bestowed them? Why are we what we are? Why are we not the worms that crawl on the earth? There is only one answer to these questions. All that we have is a loan from God. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. Let this thought sink deeply into our hearts. Now, I think that's the hardest concept to get, but most of the confusion about this parable centers on the next point, which is the master gave to each according to his ability. Everybody say ability. As as a business owner, a bunch of you business owners, you're like, well, yeah, he did, right? Like you get it in, I mean, business is business, you know what I mean? But somehow we get confused when it comes to God. We somehow think these things might be unfair. Like, well, God should be more fair than this. In the modern mind, we question why God isn't more equitable. But here's what I want to say to you. God knows your potential like no one else. He's the only one, really. Really, he's the only one who knows your potential. Your mommy does not know your potential. She may think she does, but God is the one who truly knows what you're capable of and what is ahead for you. And there is so so much that he believes you're capable of. He just knows that you gotta give up a bunch of stuff before you understand how amazing that is. Because we try to do it ourselves. We try to prove it ourselves. But God knows what you can handle. And the only question is, do you trust that God knows what you can handle? Boy, that's a tough question. Do you trust that God knows what you can handle? It's like, wow, if I think about that too long, I get depressed. But the question is, is he a good master? Is he patient? Is he relational? Is he willing to figure out what your capacity is? Here's the problem. Most of us, we center in this story, we, so we focus on the comparison versus the capacity. Well, this is about comparison. Why, do, why don't I have as much as that guy has? See, Capacity is an entirely different idea. Because the guy with five and the guy with two can both be functioning at 100% capacity. Right? Even the guy with one can function at 100% capacity. Right? Like God knows your capacity. And hey, by the way, he wants to enlarge it. I think we can see that through the scripture. He wants to enlarge your capacity. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens? And all these things will, oh, some of you went to Sunday school. It's so good. Seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be what? Added to you. He wants to enlarge your capacity. Put things in order, and order determines capacity. You've heard me say that many times. You put things in order in your life, and God 
starts increasing your capacity to add things. This is the premise of this story. God is most interested in your capacity for faithfulness. We hope that it's capacity for money. <laughs> Isn't that this, what this story's about? Like, I really want to be that five-talent guy. <laughs> I want to get some money. I need, I need some stuff. You know, God, you can trust me. <laughs> you can trust me with a billion dollars. Really, honestly, I'll do everything good. I'll do everything right. I'll give it to charity. Just test me. Oh, he does. He does test you. He just doesn't do it immediately with a million dollars. He does it with something else, something smaller. You see, we think that this story is about doubling what you have. It's not about doubling. Here's what the story is about. It's about doing something. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ross? Well, here, first, let's go. Another indicator of who is faithful and who is not is called initiative. When you take initiative, the man with the five talents went at once and put his money to work. How, when did he go? At once, like boom. The guy with the five talents is like, let's get to work, let's do it, let's go. The guy with one, he kinda got discouraged. He, he thought about it a little too much. He was too afraid. He was too fearful. He was paralyzed by what the master might have thought of him. You see, one difference between good stewards and poor stewards is initiative, right? Procrastination, on the other hand, is often the first step towards disobedience. Ooh, that was a good one. You should write that down. But the man with one talent, he didn't know how to move forward. Why? Why couldn't he move forward? The man with one talent had a false belief about his master. He had a wrong thinking about what his master expected or what his master demanded. He was locked into comparisons. He was locked into worry. He was locked into concern about what he could do rather than understanding that his master had given him something. And he thought, I got to, I mean, I'm sure he thought, I'm watching these other guys and they're doubling their thing. I got to double mine. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I can, do, there's no way I can produce three million. There's no way I can double what I, the story's not about doubling. It's about doing something. Look at verse 24. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. First of all, really understand, nobody sows when they don't reap. Sorry, yeah. You gotta reap in order to sow. He's like, no, I knew, I knew how hard you were and you reap in places where you don't sow. Any? That doesn't even exist. That's a false view of the way his master would think. And he would demand things of him that he couldn't produce. When I was a kid, I was really afraid to give my life to Jesus because I thought he might call me to Africa. <laughs> 
and I didn't want to go to Africa. <laughs> I wanted to go to a cool city like Austin. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to eat torchies, and I want to hang out on Rainy Street, and I want to, like, I just, I don't want to go to Africa. False view of God. Uh, we can all develop these ways of seeing God as a master who's harsh, who's a taskmaster, who, who will demand things of you that you could never offer him or that you couldn't produce yourself. So now, now, we've kind of talked about the principles of this thing. Now, you, here's what you gotta get. The story isn't about money or possessions. See, we think the story is about our money and our possessions, what we should do with them. Nuh-uh. Jesus is just using the story of money and possessions to illustrate something else. What is that something else? Well, in the original hearers, it was about Jesus. Jesus is telling a story about the new kingdom that is coming, a kingdom that functions different than anything they'd ever seen before, a kingdom of healing and miracles and power and authority that Jesus himself was coming to usher in that age and it was coming to them in a way that was upside down of the way they thought. And so the, what's here, here's, here's, what, here's the problem. The parables that Jesus taught, the rich and powerful, they didn't know how to receive them. Because Jesus was ushering in a kingdom that elevated the people that were marginalized, that were broken. He he ushered the kingdom in for them. People who were willing to be humble. People who were willing to be corrected. People who were willing to be taught. I don't know if you realize this, but as Americans, most of us think we we know it all. The religious leaders of Jesus' day thought they knew it all. They knew the Old Testament better than anybody else. They had it memorized, huge portions of it memorized. And they, the Pharisees especially, they were the most dramatic and, and, and extreme sect of Judaism. And they made sure that everybody else was obeying what the law had said. And Jesus is like, you guys are putting heavy burdens on people's backs. This is not God's plan. But the Jewish people resisted what Jesus was saying. They couldn't conceive. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. As American Christians, we gotta be careful. We don't confuse this story with a way that I can get more money. Because that's what most of us, when I read this story, that's what I think. All right, I'm gonna be really faithful with a little bit that I have so I can get more. More. That's what we always want, right? We want more. We don't know how to get more. This guy's false belief system about his master led him to foolishness instead of faithfulness. Like when I look at it, are you guys still with me? When I look at it, I look at this, I look at this guy, this 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 guy with one talent, and I'm like, he goes, here, have your have your talent back. Yeah, the the band's coming up. Just pay attention to me. (laughs) The the one guy with one talent, he gives it back and he says, here's what you gave me. Like, why is that so bad? What's, what's wrong with that? I'm just gonna give it back to you. I mean, what you gave me, you got it back. Why are you so, why do you call me a wicked and slothful servant? 
Why are you calling me that? Why are you so upset? Why are you so mad? Well, if you understand what the parable is about, then you start to realize why the master was so upset. Because the story is about the love of Jesus. The story is about the kingdom of God. And what he says is, when you give, when he, he says, give the one talent, since he didn't do anything with it, give it to the guy who has 10. Because he who has will be given what? Okay, well, how do, what does that mean? What Jesus is saying is, those who accept the kingdom of God and his work in their lives, it opens the door to more of the kingdom of God and his work in their lives. The people who are open to God's work are the people who receive more of God and what he's trying to do. The people who don't, people who can't hear it, who people don't want to hear it, people who are too consumed in their money and possessions and ways to make God their butler. I just do what he says and then he gives me stuff. See, that, that's not what this story is about at all. You see, in the story, they're all give, they give it back at the end. <laughs> There's an accounting. Just like us, when we're done, when we're finished with this life, we will give everything back to him. And the hope is that we will have already given it to, them, to him while we're here. <laughs> right? It's already, we already realize it belongs to him. We're treating it like a steward. So here's the hidden lesson. The hidden lesson in the story. The hidden lesson in the story is that the kingdom of God is reproductive, it's reproducing. And the reason the master was so mad is that's the purpose of it. It's supposed to reproduce in you and it's supposed to reproduce in somebody else. And when you take the kingdom of God into yourself and it produces no life or you squelch it out with the weeds or the rocks or the brokenness or the other things in this life and this world and you lose it, you see, what the story is about is, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to seek him and believe and embrace his kingdom? Are you going to receive his gift of love and power and authority and healing? Are you going to receive that and then let it produce something in your life and even someone else's life? Or are you just gonna keep it for yourself? Just see it as a leveraging tool for having a better life. You just treat it as a kind of a thing that I do to better myself. It's not a self-help plan. It's so much more. <laughs> Eugene Peterson says, self-help is no help at all. The only way you get to receive what Jesus has is you deny yourself, you take up his cross, and you follow him. How long has it been since you shared your story of faith with somebody? Could it be that we, as the American church, have not been responsible with the message of the gospel. We politicized it all, fought over stupid things.
Nobody can even listen to us because everything that we say or argue about has the political overtones and implications. I'm sorry. This is a convicting story for me. And we should treat it as a convicting story for us. Because the bottom line question is, what are you doing with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Will you follow him with everything and will you let him be in charge? Will you allow him to give you all that he has? And then realize that it's not yours to keep and be willing to give it away, be willing to invest it in others, be willing to use what he actually gave you for kingdom purposes and not your own. And I'm not just talking about your I'm not, I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your energy. I'm talking about the gospel of the kingdom that is made to be preached, made to be offered, made to be given. This is what this is about. Because listen, here's, here's the bottom line of the story, right? Faithfulness is not about what you have or how much or what you think you have or how... It's about what you do with what you have. And when, you, when it comes to the kingdom of God, which is what this story is about, you, you and I have to answer that question. What are we doing with the kingdom? What are we doing with the gospel of the kingdom? Faithfulness forms your future. Faithfulness forms your future. So trust God with your present, right? Trust God with your present. Be faithful with your present. What does that mean? That means I have to see kingdom revelation as the, what God is giving me, and then I want to walk in that kingdom revelation, and I want to share it with others because that's how I end up with more kingdom revelation. How do I end up with more kingdom power and authority? How do I end up with more of God doing stuff through me to see others' lives totally transformed and changed? How do I do that? That's what this story's about.